What's up, guys? Max here with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show, and Happy New Year! It is about to be the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, so I am hoping that you guys are excited as I am for uh, for that to become a reality for us. I think we've been waiting long enough. I think we've been waiting long enough to get done with this year and on to the next year. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us uh, th- on the on the live stream today. I hope it's a good one. I hope it uh, has been worth the wait because we've been off the air for a while now. Um, last week was a very exciting week for me. I had a big project going on, uh, a big video project. It's very sh- scuttlebutt show related, military related. I am uh, looking forward to bringing you more information on that soon. It was a collaboration with a bunch of people and my boy, our good friend AO Nixo was involved. So more on that coming very, very soon, I hope. Uh, as always, this episode is going to be pretty normal with uh, a, a bunch of stories that we have to, that we have to cover. Like we have stories that have been happening over the past week that I've wanted to jump on here and cover, but I knew I was just saving it for for the big New Year's episode, and today's the day. So I hope you guys are ready for a a very, very exciting episode. And at the end of the episode, I've got a special year-end video I've produced for you guys um, that we're going to play, and then I'm going to fill you in on what's in store for 2021, because 2021 really is going to be the year for the Scuttlebutt Show. I'm talking, we have monumental, humongous plans for uh, this upcoming year. I'm talking on location interviews, uh, vlogs, uh, narrative content, historical content, going to visit the historical sites out here in Okinawa. I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself. I'm, I'm spoiling it already, but let me, put all, let me put all the big upcoming news on hold for a second, and let me get to today's big stories. As always, if you want to support the channel, you can head to the Patreon. You can head to the uh, scuttlebuttshow.com and buy some merch. You can join our Discord, all linked in the descriptions, and I look forward to seeing you guys there. And uh, with that, let me pull up our first story of the day. Our first story of the day, it's a bummer that we have to cover uh, this. It's, it's um, a tragic story, but um, and I'm sure you guys have seen it uh, on the news, that a Army Special Forces soldier, a Green Beret, um, is, he's, he's been arrested, charged with murder uh, in the shooting of uh, five people or six people at a bowling alley in Illinois. Um, let's get, let's cover the military.com story here and uh, I'll give you guys my thoughts on what's going on here. So green beret accused in bowling alley shooting spree has PTSD lawyer says. So we're looking at a uh, Sergeant first class Duke Webb. He's currently serving as a special forces assistant operations and intelligence sergeant. So if you guys don't know about how the special forces uh, units work, this would make him an 18 Fox normally a very senior position in a team of Green Berets. So this guy has had, I believe, four deployments, and he's a senior NCO. So he's a senior enlisted team member, uh, and this would make him an 18 Fox, would be his position on an ODA. So a decorated Green Beret sergeant who allegedly went on a shooting spree Saturday in Rockford, Illinois, bowling alley, was suffering from PTSD and had been seeking treatment for a possible traumatic brain injury, TBI, commonly known as TBI, his defense lawyer said on Monday. In addition to post-traumatic stress, Special Forces Sergeant First Class Duke Webb, who's 37 years old, also was taking unspecified medications and had issues with memory loss. So when it says unspecified medications, uh, it's, you have to wonder if he was taking medications he had been uh, prescribed and was he taking them in accordance with the instructions and was he potentially um, abusing them or self-medicating with some other stuff or combining maybe the combined effects of alcohol and medication or multiple medications that are not prescribed see a lot of people don't realize and you don't follow your doctor's instructions but these medications can have really really negative effects if combined or taken with other medications so when your doctor asks you are you taking any other medications or what medications are you taking? Please tell them everything you're taking or else when they give you something, you don't know the effect it's going to have. I had a buddy, maybe I shouldn't say that. I knew a guy in the Navy who was given a medication. He took that medication. He was taking other medications and I think he was drinking and he had like an episode and he went out and got had this massive confrontation with some people at a convenience store near his house 
claims to not remember any of it. And it was because of a new, and he claims it was because of this new medication he was on. And, and that, that is possible. That makes actually sense, uh, that because of that medication, he had kind of gone a little, um, out of his normal state of mind and done all this stuff, uh, without really, um, even realizing it, he wasn't being himself. So please always be clear and honest with your doctor when you're taking medication. And please don't prescribe or mix medications. Mixing drugs, not a good idea. So County Judge Deborah Schaefer ordered that Webb be held to undergo mental evaluations because they have to see if he's even fit for trial. They have to see what kind of, is he, is he in a state of psychosis? Is he unfit for trial? Is he able to be, basically what they're trying to figure out is, is he able to be held accountable for what he did? Because what they're saying he did uh, is, is the highest, you know, crime. It's murder. So they're going to figure out if he's mentally fit to be tried uh, and charged with these crimes. So... <clears throat> Webb allegedly opened fire at about 6.30 p.m. on Saturday at Don Carter Lanes in Rockford, about 90 miles northwest of Chicago. Now, Saturday was the day after Christmas. Christmas was Friday, I believe. So Saturday was the day after Christmas. Um, horrible, tragic, killing three patrons aged 65 to 73 and wounding a 14-year-old boy and a 16-year-old girl and a 62-year-old man. So six people were shot. And I heard that the 14-year-old boy was shot in the face. So his injuries are going to be pretty catastrophic. Um he has been charged with three counts of murder and three counts of attempted murder. Webb surrendered to officers who responded to 911 calls with shots fired. O'Shea said he couldn't speak to Webb's motives or intents, but that the shooting appeared to be a random act of violence. Um, a random act of violence. That is horrible. Uh, it leaves the family and the victims really without any answers or any reason. It's just a tragedy, and it's really hard to come to grips with that when you lose a loved one in this way. Um, very, very sad and unfortunate. So... In a statement Monday, the Army said that Webb served four combat tours in Afghanistan. So all four in Afghanistan, it sounds like, most recently ending in July. So that was about six months ago. He joined the service in 2008 and was on leave at the time of the shootings from his assignment as, as 18 Fox with 3rd Battalion's 7th Special Forces Group at Camp Bull Eglin Air Force Base. That's in Florida. So... Uh, Major General John Brennan, commander of 1st Special Forces Group, said that Webb's alleged actions are abhorrent and are absolutely not representative of the Special Forces Regiment, but were also out of character with his previously spotless record. So this guy seems to have no prior disciplinary actions, probably no UCMJ. Uh, it does say he was seeking help for TBI. So were there warning signs that this kind of thing was possible? I wonder in the days leading up, what I'd be curious to see is in the days leading up to December 26th and the days leading up to him going on leave, what was he like at work? Um, we have to get better at catching these warning signs, not only with this, but like with suicide too. Usually you can, you can look back and go, you know, there were some warning signs. Um, Army said The Army said that Webb has two Bronze Stars medals, but did not say whether they were with a Valor, a V for Valor. A Combat V would be a V for Valor, meaning that those awards were given in, uh, in, the, in the execution of his duties in combat, as opposed to you can just get a Bronze Star as an award. You can even get up to a Silver Star as just an, a regular award for performance of your duties in, an, in non-heroic fashion, not to take anything away from it. But the V for Valor distinguishes awards from being Valor awards or not Valor awards meaning combat or non-combat related. Other awards he's been given, so he has, you know, Army Commendation, Army Good Conduct, so forth awards. So that would that adds up to the entire time that he was in the Army. He never had any NJP or UCMJ punishments because you get a Good Conduct Award every three years. In addition, Webb has the, is the recipient of the NCO Professional Development Ribbon. I don't know what that is. He's Special Forces tabbed, and he's got all his other um, awards here. So let me, um, let me close this out, and let me talk to you guys really quick about what I think about this. So... First of all, Midnight Chow says lots of mass shooters are on SSRIs. And I don't remember uh, something something inhibitor. Uh, that basically is an antidepressant. An SSRI, if I'm correct here, is an antidepressant. It's a serotonin something something inhibitor. Basically, it affects your chemical balance in your brain to make you feel less sad. It makes you not able to get sad. But it has very varied side effects. I know I was, uh, I'll, I'll just be open about it. I was prescribed an SSRI once and I took it for a few days and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be on medication. So I stopped taking it. This is when I was seeking treatment for anxiety, depression, um, post-military service. So he says selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Yeah. So tons of side effects with those. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's to include, um, upset stomach, uh, altered mental status, um, decreased sexual performance, uh, uh fatigue, 
lack of loss of interest and things that you used to like doing so other side effects like that but ultimately it makes you less sad it makes you deal with depression better um but i i am one who's always been like i want to stay completely off meds if ever possible so i i did not take it i stopped taking it turned it back in uh to the hospital so let me tell you what i think about um about this this uh shooting okay i've been thinking about what i want to say about this because on one hand, it'd be easy for me to say, um, here's a soldier, potentially his lawyers are claiming he's suffering from PTSD. He had a traumatic episode uh, and feel remorseful and sympathetic, um, which, you know, I do in a way. But at the same time, I like to be, I, I like it's very important to me as a person that I'm consistent with how I judge things, how I evaluate situations. And I always take, in this type of situation, I always have to take the side of the innocent victim who was doing nothing wrong. And here we've got six innocent victims, three who are dead, two teenagers, a boy and girl who were there just picking up food to go to bring home to their families who were shot, and another victim who was shot and injured. Um, And it's an unforgivable, unjustifiable situation, whatever he was going through. It's a tragedy all around, but it's completely unjustifiable. He's going to, if he's guilty of this, what he's been charged of, he's going to get punishment to the full extent of the law. And for the, and I empathize and feel for the families of the victims. I mean, that's really where my heart goes out to because I look at this guy and I'm like, God, why did this have to happen, dude? Why did you have to do this? You know, um, it, it, was there any way that this could have been prevented, but it happened, it did happen. And so my heart, go, where I stand is my heart goes out to the families. My heart goes out to the victims. Uh, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I wish this guy death and, 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 you know, terrible outcome here, the guy who's accused of doing it, but, um, but he did it. I mean, I've got to stand with the victims on this one. Uh, it's, it's horrible what happened. And, and I think if anything, what we take away is figure out what led up to this. And if it's true that it was TBI, PTSD, army, you know, experience related trauma that caused this, I think that what we need to do is you know, there's going to be no saving this guy if he's guilty. But what you can do is go back and go, how can we get ahead of these type of problems in other people before they happen? And are there any warning signs? And can we do any more training? Can we do any more education? Can we, what can, what can be done to prevent this type of thing from happening in the future? So I guess that's my thoughts on that is I stand with the victims. I always stand with the victims who are doing nothing wrong when they are victims of violence. Um, I always stand with the innocent people. So you guys shouldn't be surprised to hear me now or in the future stand with victims of violence who are out there doing nothing wrong, minding their own business, trying to live their lives in a peaceful way in the United States, uh, no matter who the assailant is or what the circumstances are. Um, I just think that now there's a way to maybe, maybe take one thing out of this, which would be the actual cause, the diagnosis of mental health that he might end up having and addressing these types of uh, symptoms before they result in something like this and maybe taking those people off duty, having them go take a knee at an admin command, at a staff command or something like that um, before things escalate to this point. I'm not saying go out and, you know, punish people for seeking mental health treatment in the military. Obviously, we don't want that. That's like the whole stigma is you're going to get in trouble, you're going to lose your job. But if giving somebody a a reassignment to an admin commander or a non-deployment command to prevent a mass shooting, I think you have to take the hit on that one and get sent to an admin command. I mean, then it's just, but then again, you know, if they start doing this to everybody and, and restrictions get too tight and then, I don't know, it's tough. It's pretty tough, but I have to stand with the victims here uh, in this type of situation I always do. So let me know what you guys think. I'd love to know what you think in the comments down below about this shooting, unfortunately, that happened and uh, what should happen if he ends up being guilty and what the Army's responsibility is if he was seeking treatment for TBI and mental health and he wasn't getting it. Let's say that. Um, and what, what do you think the Army's culpability, responsibility in that is? The military is the military healthcare system. Um, let me know in the comments. So the next story I had today, uh, interesting. I just came across this. I just came across this. Um, there's a new movie coming out. There's a new movie coming out. Let me pull up Safari here. New movie coming out called The Mauritanian. Um, the Mauritanian. You guys see this up here on the screen now, which tells the story of a Guantanamo Bay inmate who spent 14 years in prison without charges. Uh, Mohamedo Old Slahi 
was released from Guantanamo Bay detention camp in October 2016. How many of you just tuned into the show to watch me mispronounce names, I wonder? Was uh, released from Guantanamo Bay detention camp in October 2016, approximately 14 years after he was first detained, but never officially charged due to suspected involvement in facilitating the September 11th attacks. During his imprisonment at the Cuban naval base, Slahi was reportedly beaten, sexually throttled, put in extreme isolation, shackled to the floor, stripped naked, and put under strobe lights while being blasted with heavy metal music. And we all know that we remember the... We remember, we have to, I know you guys remember the the event at Guantanamo where those pictures were released of them stacking naked inmates on top of each other, harassing them sexually, you know, humiliating them, torturing them with in different ways, psychologically, physically, um, abusing them. Um, and it really gave all of, um, all of military detention operations a bad name. It, and then I'll just tell you, you know, I did military detention operations in Afghanistan. So I'll tell you, you know, when I was over there in 2009, things were drastically different than they were back in the early 2000s, the beginning of the war, including if you look up, you can look up a documentary called Taxi Cab to the Dark Side about a detainee in Afghanistan in the building I worked in. Like you can see pictures. I recognize this place uh, who was tortured to death um, at this facility by Marines and he was an innocent taxi cab driver. Um, Harb and I and I and I feel bad. Like these things did happen. Like there's no denying them. They happen. They're out there. They're reported. They're official. Like it happened. So, um, so this guy uh, was a native of the Northwest African nation of Mauritania. Documented his experience in the best-selling memoir Guantanamo Diary. An account that has formed the foundation of the upcoming February 2021 film, The Mauritanian. So let's watch the trailer for this really quick and see what uh see what we have here. If you guys don't mind watching the trailer with me, um, we'll see what's uh what's actually going on here with this um with this film. So let's check it out. If you stray outside the designated areas, you will be removed from the island. It's recommended you wear a hijab when visiting your client. We've had incidents of inmates spitting at female lawyers. You want to represent the head recruiter for 9/11. Mohamedou Oldslahi, the Mauritanian, held in Guantanamo. He recruited the guys who flew your friend's plane into the South Tower. He put those men on my husband's plane? I'm going to make him pay. In the event the detainee lunges for you, push back away from the table. We'll get in there as quick as we can. Hollander, this is my associate. We wish to represent you. We are seeking the death penalty, but if we miss something, this guy goes home. Let's get to it. Call this number. Speak to my mother. Tell her, I don't know, something nice. The U.S. government is holding upwards of 700 prisoners in Guantanamo. Since when did we start locking people up without a trial in this country? That's a lot of case files. The prosecution won't show us the evidence they have against you. It's all redacted. You had a problem, take it up with the government. All my time here, I've been told you are guilty. Not for something that I have done, but because of suspicions and associations. I am innocent. He has been interrogated. He has been held against his will for six years without a single charge being laid against him. Doesn't it bother you at all working for someone like this? I'm not just defending him. I'm defending the rule of law. You haven't seen what I've seen. Where I'm from, in Mauritania, we know not to trust the police. But never did I believe that the United States of America would use fear and terror to control me. A couple of sleepless nights, that's all. I've never been part of a conspiracy, but I'm starting to think this is what it must feel like to be on the outside of me. You're ever thinking this, either wear the jersey or get off the field. You need to tell me what happened to you. I can't defend you. Do you understand that? You asked me to set fire to this place, but I'm still sitting. Maybe he's guilty. Maybe he is. Like we're doing our job. I'm not welcome home. That's not a part of my job. If I'm wrong, when it comes to my reckoning, I'm the one that I have to answer for. What makes you think you're any better than the rest of us? I don't think I'm better than anybody else. That is the point. For eight years, I have been dreaming of being in a courtroom. Now that I'm here, I'm scared to death. You know, I think I figured out why they built Guantanamo down there. My 
client. He's not a suspect. He's a witness. Mr. Slahi, would you please raise your right hand and repeat after me? The Mauritanian. All right, so that movie comes out in February of 2021, and you can believe that I'll be reviewing it when it comes out. Um, I'm pretty excited about it, I'll have to say. Uh, I think that Benedict Cumberbatch being in that movie uh, adds a lot of credibility to it. Um, and it's based on a true story. It's based on a book. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that. I will say, um, from my personal experience, uh, there are definitely people who've been held in Iraq and Afghanistan in Guantanamo Bay without being charged, who were innocent, who were picked up in the chaos of another situation, who were targeted, who were ratted out by somebody else, and it was a lie. Like you have um, these people who will come up and they'll be informants and they'll say, "Oh, that guy's Taliban, that guy's Al Qaeda, um, that guy's loyal to Saddam Hussein. He, you know, did this, did that. You know, just he built bombs, and we've rolled up dudes and have locked them up. Um, it is a hundred percent, for sure, a thing that happens. Um, now." Is it the majority of what happens? No. The majority of people who've been locked up in Guantanamo, in Afghanistan, Iraq, were guilty of doing something. Um, and you can argue with me and debate with me all day, and I'll debate back with you about, and in some cases, I'll be the one arguing for the fact that some of these people would have never been uh, uh, you know, deemed terrorists if America wasn't there in the first place, uh, if they hadn't been basically held hostage by other bad actors who said, we'll kill your family if you don't build bombs, we'll kill your family if you don't shoot at Americans, all this stuff. We go on for days about that. If you guys ever want to debate me about that, hit me up. We'll get you on the show. Um, one thing in 2021 that I'm planning on doing is being able to take callers. So I would love to take callers. I'd be able to love to have people jump on Zoom. If you want to come be part of the show, ask a question, make a comment, and you don't want to feel like leaving in the chat, you want to actually get back on the program, uh, live with me, then we're going to figure out a way to do that um, coming up in 2021. So that film's coming out and uh, I'm excited for it. I hope you guys are too for another movie review. Movie reviews have always done really well um, on this channel. So Midnight Show asks, do foreigners get constitutional protection? So that's a great question. So let me tell you what my experience has been um, working with detainees. And, I, and keep in mind, I am going to say very, very basic facts about uh, um, my experience over there, a lot of it is, uh, uh, stuff I can't talk about. So, um, for one, there is what's called the ICRC, which is the International Committee of the Red Cross, who represents the rights of people who are held in the, uh, in, in the context of being guilty of, uh, war crimes or as combatants in war. So they represent the best interests of foreigners, uh, when dealing with Americans. So you have the ICRC, they represent Americans, um, or I'm sorry, they represent people being held by Americans all across the world in all different conflicts that we're in. So they get represented by them. Then everybody who's detained gets a representative who's basically a lawyer who acts on their behalf and deals with their case to help it get brought to trial, to develop facts, to decide whether or not that person should remain held in custody if they're a threat, if they're not a threat. And there's a whole team out there of people whose whole job it is is to determine if people who were um, detained by the United States should remain detained, if they're an actual threat, if there's any evidence against them. They do not get constitutional protection, uh, but they do get representation by advocates on their behalf. So, you know, just the same way you would get a public defender if you were a criminal in the United States, or I'm sorry, if you were accused of a crime in the United States, uh, you would get a public defender type person if you were accused of uh, being a combatant against the United States in um, Iraq or Afghanistan or Africa or something else, for example. Um, <clears throat> I hope that that answers your question. And, you know, in the future, I'd love to talk more about this. Maybe I'll do some whole dedicated episodes about detainee operations and what that's like. And the treatment of detainees and what I think about it. Um, if that's something you guys would like to see, let me know and I will do that. Uh, Joan said, you should hear me read names. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I put my, you know, I'm putting myself out there. I'm live. I'm on live broadcast trying to read words out loud, which uh, is harder than it sounds. Next, uh, if, I, if I'm really bold in 2021, maybe I'll try to do math on, on this channel too. And, uh, and see what's possible. See what's really possible out there. So let's do a little fun story. Let's do a, a more upbeat story. 
um, out of, we, we have a couple, we have a couple fun stories, um, coming up and then we'll get to the new year stuff. Um, the army, the army announced, the army's always in the news. The army announces that they're planning major updates to their hair and grooming regulations, which, um, I think is long overdue. Uh, to be honest, I think that hair and beard and grooming, it, it's in some ways time to rethink that. And in other ways, it's, uh, it's good that we have regulations the way that we do. So Task and Purpose reports that senior Army leaders are discussing making long-awaited changes to hair and groom. And by the way, I don't just mean for the Army. I mean for everybody. But in regards to this article, we're going to be talking about the good old AR670-1 uh, Army uniform regulation. So by the way, stay tuned in 2021 for me breaking out the good old Blue Jackets manual and getting old school Navy on you guys. Uh, I hope you're ready for that. That is a big thing that I plan for next year. So Senior Army leaders are discussing making long-awaited changes to hair and grooming regulations, and they plan to announce the finalized changes in January 2021. So that's in just a few days, potentially uh, less than, you know, 32 days away. The changes are being discussed among Army leadership, including allowing some women to wear ponytails in uniform and removing wording from existing regulations found to be offensive or racist in an effort to reflect the Army values and Army's commitment to diversity and inclusion, according to slides obtained by Task and Purpose. Now, let me uh, bluff bottom line up front here. When they say racist, what they're referring to particularly in this article is black females who uh, have to go through a, a serious effort to maintain hair regulations for females um, without having to cut their hair as short as a male. Um, just because of how their hair naturally grows. So long overdue, long overdue for some reconsideration on how these uniform standards apply to soldiers and, you know, airmen, sailors, Marines, and why they exist. And is it really what's in the best interest of the lethality of the fleet? So like the, the, everything that the military decides should be determined. Is it making the military more or less lethal or does it have no impact at all? If it has no impact at all, not negative or positive, then is it in the best interest of the service member? And it makes them, you know, happier, more content with their life, better for retention, you know, encourages them to do a better job. In that case, I think that it's a good option, right? If it has no impact on lethality, but it makes the service member happier, how can it be a bad thing? So, a series of recommendations were first presented earlier this month to a review panel made up of representatives from around the Army, including from the Army Training and Doctrine Command, which has to be a super fun place to work, Army Forces Command and Army Special Operations Command, and the Army National Guard. First of all, um, special operations should have no seat at the table when it comes to uniform regulations and grooming, because uh, for special operations, it's already pretty loose anyway. So I don't see why, unless you're going there to be like, man, how do you guys do it? It seems like you can still accomplish your mission with a beard and long hair. Like how come the rest of us can't do it, man? Uh, which is a good example. And I've talked about this before in the gas mask argument of why we can probably lax some of the, if special forces who are most likely to encounter the reasons why we have grooming standards can grow beards and long hair and do whatever and, and have tattoos then it doesn't make any sense that the rest of the force can't. So that's pretty much where I'm at with that in a lot of ways. Um, unless it somehow negatively affects good order and discipline, but I don't really see that for a lot of these circumstances that we're talking about. An Army official familiar with the panel said the majority of representatives were women, and that's the majority of the people who these would affect. The panel voted on recommendations outlined in the slides. Those recommendations have since been passed to Sergeant Major of the Army, Michael Grinston, who is ex... ex how the Grinston stole Christmas, who was expected to sign off on them and then deliver them to Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy and Chief of Staff General James McConville for their final approval. Um, Grinston teased that the changes were coming to Twitter last week, saying hair is absolutely something the team, here's what it says, the tweet says, I can say that hair is absolutely something that Project Inclusion team is actively working. We'll have an update in the next month. Now, is Project Inclusion a cringeworthy name for this? Uh, I would say it is, but you know, it's got good intentions. So the recommendations were identified after July directive from Mark Esburn, who is not the SECTEF anymore. Uh, he's old by two technically, uh, or, you know, after we, after Chris Miller is, uh, out hair regulations were meant to reinforce uniformity in the military. But many women, specifically black women have said that the stringent regulations don't take into account different textures and lengths of hair. I agree. Earlier, earlier this year, Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Peters, a black instructor at West Point, wrote at military.com that when she was a cadet, the regulation at the time included a photo which showed a white woman with her hair uniformly laying down and pulled to the back of her head in a bun. That image reinforced the same European standard of professional 
nationalism and beauty that had become mine as a girl. The natural me was not good enough, Peters wrote. I totally uh, can, I totally get this. I totally uh, agree with what she's saying. She said she felt pressured to perm her hair in order to look professional, squared away, and beautiful at the academy and in the army. For those not familiar with textured hair, specifically a black woman's hair, this means I was rushing to straighten my hair with a home no-lie relaxer made of calcium hydroxide or potassium hydroxide as the active ingredient. That sounds fun. The relaxer burns the scalp, often leaving sores or irritated tender skin. That said, our service members should not have to do that in order to meet the regulations. You should not have to hurt yourself in order to meet the regulations for hair and grooming. Just like we do no shave chits, I don't see any reason why we couldn't do a hair exception or change completely to the policy. Um, Natural hair should never be considered faddish or out of regulations. That's my opinion. Um, This discussion. Now, the only argument to that that I would say is... I, I don't have the regulation in front of me, but there's some amount of baldness that you have where then they say you have to shave your head. Like if you have some really crazy, um, naturally occurring male pattern baldness, you have to just shave your head. You can't rock that natural male pattern baldness, which I always thought was kind of crazy. What do you guys think about that? Let me know in the comments. But uh, that's one example, I guess, of it being a an exception to the rule where natural hair is already... Um, out of regs. So <clears throat> the issue of hair standards uh, specifically reignited on social media last week with men and women alike calling for change, describing what they view as broken and antiquated policies that put unnecessary burdens on women who serve. I'm going to wrap that story up right there because I totally agree. Hey, that's my stance. I totally agree. I think those hair policies are antiquated and I think that they are not, um, they're not racist, like in intent, but they dis- they're discriminatory because if you happen to be, and, I, and I'll just say, you know, and this could be anybody, if you naturally don't fit into the standard, you now bear the burden of, you know, taking on this special treatment and, and you know, maybe hairstyles that really don't reflect you positively. Um, so I'm on board. I think it should be totally revamped. I think it should be totally revamped. I've talked on here before about, I think you should have, be able to have beards on deployment, beards out to sea. I, uh, I don't know. I, I just, that's what I think. I, you guys have heard me talk about on the show before. I'd love to know what you think in the comments. Midnight chat says somebody better tell John Luke Picard. Yeah, exactly. So he should have shaved if he wants to be the real, you know, standard setter on the enterprise. Um, there's this story. I don't, I'm hesitant to even cover. It's so stupid. Um, I'm hesitant to even cover. It's so stupid, but you know what? I'll, I'll just, I'll just talk about it. Um, I saw this article popped up, you know, we all know when the president tweets, the news goes crazy. Um, sometimes it's all in good fun. Uh, and sometimes it's like really makes you go, Hmm, some stuff really makes you go. Hmm. This is one of those times. Uh, I guess I'll pull the article up here. It's from task and purpose. So Trump says elections in Afghanistan were more secure and better run than in the United States. And I agree with task and purpose here, which is plainly absurd. Now, this is born from a tweet, a presidential tweet, which says, a young military man working in Afghanistan told me that elections in Afghanistan are far more secure and much better run than the USA's 2020 election. Ours, with its millions and millions of corrupt mail-in ballots, was the election of a third world country fake president. Um, let me just uh, let me just tell you what I think about this. Americans have been fighting and dying in Afghanistan and Iraq for them to hold elections since shortly after 9-11-2001. Those elections are full of violence, corruption, fraud, persuasion. The list goes on. The idea that an election in Afghanistan could be viewed as superior to an election in the United States is absolutely garbage, bogus to me. It's a terrible, it's a terrible even representation. Um, and and I say that you know whatever you wherever your stance is on the election of 2020, I'll just say this: the idea of of comparing or 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 saying political violence is or any any system 
that allows political violence, politically motivated violence to exist in, in, in mass, you know, suicide bombs, shootings, people rolling into town th- with making threats of violence, uh, and comparing that to our voting system in the United States, which is one of our holiest systems protected by your freedom to vote, where you can go to a polling place and vote. Um, that's where I draw the line. Uh, you can say what you want about any other voting policy, but when people use the threat of violence for political gain, which is literally the definition of terrorism, I cannot entertain that kind of claim at all whatsoever. <clears throat> zero, zero part of me uh, endorses that. So that is my main problem with this. Um, and it's what I've always said I worry about in the United States is with this extreme rhetoric and people talking about the president, you know, being, you know, responsible for the deaths of, you know, so-and-so group of people, depending on what president we're talking about, um, saying that the president has to be stopped at all costs or whatever, the, when people start using language like that, I always worry exactly about Iraq and Afghanistan elections and the idea that they could turn violent at the ballots, uh, uh, polling places where, where ballots are, are cast. Violence at polling places is my number one fear. It's like the number one thing we should be trying to avoid, okay? It is, and if we've learned anything, I mean, just the other day, that truck bomb in Nashville, uh, domestic terrorism, we have to realize how close we always are to that. We're, it, it, it wouldn't take a lot. It, one lone wolf, you know, self-radicalized person could go shoot up a polling place or, you know, make a homemade explosive at a polling place. That is exactly what we need to prevent in the United States. It's my biggest fear when people get crazy over the top with political stuff, um, in encouraging other people to take drastic action. Um, and so anyway, I, I've made my point. Uh, that's why I barely even want to cover that story. That's why I think everything about that is wrong. Um, and why I think that there can be no comparison drawn to a third world country, particularly Afghanistan, Iraq, and the United States. Um, Jones says, I want voter ID. Hey man, me too. It makes sense. Uh, as long as, you know, people have access to IDs, of course there should be like some kind of voter ID system. Like think of all the things that make it, uh, that make you ineligible to vote, right? Aside from just being a citizen, uh, you have to also be not a convicted felon in across many states. I believe, I don't know if that's all 50 states, but across many states, you can't be a convicted felon. You have to be over 18, um, and then you have to uh, uh, be a citizen, be eligible, to, and you have to be registered to vote. So yeah, I mean, the idea that you that that people make the, that checking IDs to vote is somehow discriminatory, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, should it be very easy to get an ID? Yeah, it should be very very easy to get an ID. It should be very very easy to get an ID. You should be able to get an ID no matter who you are, no matter where you live. You should be able to get an identification card from the government, like. How can like, and I hear the argument that for some people that's a difficult thing to do. That makes we that's the problem we have to resolve. Not that checking IDs to vote is somehow bad, but that ID should be easy to get. Driver's licenses should be uh, accessible. Yeah, driver's license should be accessible to people. There should be more programs to get people driver's licenses to get people mobile so that they can go travel and do their jobs and do all this stuff. Like, I don't get why they're. The, like, I don't get what the barrier is. Like, to me as a normal, you know, average everyday citizen, I don't see why, why this is complex stuff. Um, it should be easy to get an ID. It should be easy to get a driver's license. It should be easy to get to a polling place. And it should be easy to show your ID and vote. And that's it. And everybody should be able to vote for whoever they want. Write in any name you want. And that's it. I I mean, I cherish that right. And I, I and we've, many of us have fought overseas to protect it. So, for other people in other countries, because that's how much we believe in it, that we would go to another country, not our own, to people that don't even know what they're doing, that don't even know what voting is, or that their country even has a president or a government, and then risk our lives to institute those policies for them, because we appreciate it that we have it so much. I'm going off on one here. Okay, so um, we do have another fun story. Okay, that's it. I'm going to leave that one at that. If you guys uh, 
<laughs> Doesn't Afghanistan require in-person voting? Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny point. Uh, at least from the last time that I was there, Afghanistan did require in-person voting. Uh, they had polling places. You had to go get in line and vote. And then, oh, I could go off on this all day, but then they are really risking it. like that. And then when they did want to vote, they were willing to go put themselves literally in real harm's way to cast their vote for a better, freer Afghanistan. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm going to stop that one there. We could do, we could talk more about that. Maybe I'll, if you guys want to come back on the show, talk about that. We'll do that. We'll get you guys back on and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so, one more, uh, two more quick stories here. Man, two more, two more quick stories here. One more, two more, one more really quick story and then one a little bit more. And then we'll, we'll wrap up with the end of the year stuff. So, um, another army story, but this one a little bit more positive, uh, army and he, he's army and he knows it. So hit making DJ heads to basic training, DJ Kenny Oliver, who you would know if you listen to LMFAO and other big pop names that have been on the mute on the, on radio in the clubs, in the club, uh, has dropped his beat making music and enlisted in the army. The 29-year-old sees military service and as an extension of things he'd like to, as things he's done to challenge himself, he said in an army statement, but to serve my country is my number one reason for enlisting. The song that made his music career, I'm Sexy and I Know It, by LMFAO, was an earworm in 2012 when it featured Madonna's Super Bowl halftime show and an Eminem's commercial to air during the game. You guys know that song. You guys know I'm Sexy and I Know It by LMFAO. It's like their their song. Uh, it, was the, it was the song on the radio that year. In it's quirky video. It's been viewed over 800 million times on YouTube and it's been played everywhere and parodied and it's been parodied by the military multiple times. Um, he also wrote, co-wrote Sorry for Party Rockin' um, and other songs as well. He sold millions of copies. And then one morning he gets an email from LMFAO saying they got in my remix and wanted to meet me. That's how he uh, got, the, got the deal in the first place. So he becomes this famous uh, musician making all kinds of songs and then um, he, he moved to the Phoenix area in 2017. It was playing clubs and festivals until COVID laid waste to live performance. <clears throat> Recruiter Sergeant First Class Daniel Moe, who lives around the corner from Oliver, knew little about his successes in the music business when they first began working together. I think it's amazing to be in that lifestyle for years and enjoying the Army, Moe said in an Army statement. To prepare to ship out to boot camp in Fort Jackson, South Carolina later this month, Oliver said he's been watching YouTube videos just as he did to learn to make music. So he's watching YouTube. He's watching the Scuttlebutt show to learn how to be in the Army. He plans to become a chaplain's assistant and once he gets to a permanent duty station to keep making music. Hey, we all know musicians in the military. Imagine you're that dude in the squad who loves to make beats, who loves to write music, who's playing the guitar. And then this dude who wrote, sorry for party rocking, and Sexy and I Know It checks in. He's like, uh, do you want to make a song? How epic would that be? You would have the sickest, you know, uh, 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 original music for your deployment video. That would just be awesome. Music is therapy for me. He says it's important to continue to be creative. I think that that's totally, he's going to do well in the army, maybe. Um, maybe. He is going to be a chaplain's assistant. And I chow says, uh, I don't know. What, what's, a, what's, the re, what's the reputation of a chaplain's assistant in the army? Tell me in the comments because... Um, in the Navy, chaplain's assistant's known as a great job. That is a great job to have in the Navy. Uh, what's the deal in the Army? Is that a good job in the Army or, is, or not? Let me know. Let me know in the comments. Um, all right. So we've got one more, one more story that I want to cover, which uh, it's more of, a, more of a C story. More of a C story. So if you guys know Nikki MGTV, Nikki MGTV, uh, very, very popular military YouTuber, very popular mentor of mine. The pogest of the pogues. <laughs> See, in the Navy, oh, sorry, this camera. In the Navy, uh, a chaplain's assistant is further forward deployed than most other Navy personnel because they get to go with the chaplain who goes with the Marines and goes to all the outstations. And then the chaplain's assistant will go provide security, provide, you know, transportation assistance and basically schedule events and get to go out with the Marines whenever they go on their missions. If the chaplain goes, the chaplain's assistant goes. So, and that's called an RP, a religious personnel man or something like that. Um, it's a good job in the Navy, but in the army, the pogus of the pogues, that's a, that's the ultimate diss, the ultimate diss. So Nikki MGTV covered this story just before Christmas. 
and it just inspired me. I want to tell a little sea story. Let me first show you this quick video here, um, and then I'm going to get into the, the story. So here, hang on one second. Watch this with me. The army just seems to be giving out awards left and right for everything. One second just showing up on time. Second one wearing the right uniform. Third one actually doing your job. Fourth one actually giving a shit. Well, that's kind of what happened here. Now listen, over at Fort Hood, they've gotten some pretty bad publicity over the past year with the Vanessa Guillen situation. And this is actually one where Nikki's going to be on a positive note because I will commend people when they do things that are right. Or I should say intentions are right. So, uh, what is he talking about? So, you can see this picture right up here on the screen, but I actually have it uh, pulled up here. So, um, what we're looking at here is uh, First Lieutenant Blaney. First Lieutenant Blaney. Oh, you guys can't see me. Let me, uh, let me, I'm adjusting my, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm adjusting my screen right now. So First Lieutenant Blaney just received an Impact Army Achievement Medal because she put people first. She selflessly volunteered for overnight duty tonight to replace a trooper who had a family emergency. She did it immediately without hesitation. Hashtag this is my squad. Hashtag Operation People First. Hashtag Cohesive Veteran. Cohesive Teams. Hashtag Brave brave Rifles. Brave Rifles. Um, Anyway, I just really struggled to say those, those hashtags. So... Um, so what's going on here? So apparently this first Lieutenant on Christmas Eve volunteered to take duty for the second day in a row to help a fellow soldier who had a family emergency, which that sounds pretty standard stuff, but then apparently she took duty the following day on Christmas so that the other soldier could be at home with his family. Um, I think that's good to go, but then she gets an army achievement medal for this and people are giving her a hard time because why do you get an army achievement medal for just standing duty? Well, the whole reason I want to bring this up is to kind of tell this story, which is, uh, <clears throat> let me uh, let me just put this away. Speaking of my deployment in 2009, um, big deployment, lots of stories from that. Uh, I have many more to share, but this is the perfect one. So I was doing detainee ops on a deployment in 2009, and I uh, I I I was how can I how can I what's the right way to word this? I was in the middle of a very heated situation, a very heated situation. In the, in the execution of our duties as guard force personnel. We were doing our job, very heated situation, action-packed, okay? Um, now, I our, our command master chief, who was a badass, awesome command master chief, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about him. He was the man. He was the man, straight up, awesome dude. We had, we had a few great chiefs. He was the chiefiest of chiefs. Uh, he was the, the master chief in charge. He was the man. So he comes up and he goes, Petty Officer Bloom. And I'm like, what's up, master chief? He goes, we need you in the courtyard uh, ASAP. I'm like, we're kind of in the middle of something, master chief. He's like, uh, we're going to need you. We're going to need you in the courtyard. It's very important. Definitely more important than this. I'm like, how can it be more important than this? He goes, just, I, we just I'm telling you, you're coming out there right now. I'm like, Roger, whatever. Um, take off all my gear down to my, uh, my army ACUs. I'm wearing my army ACUs. And I go out to the courtyard, and there's a quarters going on. There's a muster. There's a formation. Everyone's in ranks. And I'm like, what is this? What in the, what in tarnation? And, uh, and they brought me out there to give me an army achievement medal. I'm getting it. Now, <clears throat> the reason I bring this up, army achievement medals, I noticed the army guys watching the, the episode, for, in my experience, notoriously easy to get like you army chief medals get given out for like really random stuff. Um, so I get an army achievement medal for now. I, I looked all over this morning for my award so I could read it to you. The actual 1650, uh, I believe is the form number for an award. So I'm looking everywhere for the actual form for the award so I could, I could read this to you guys, but I could not find it. It's in storage in San Diego somewhere. Um, so I'm just going to tell you, it basically said, for performance of his duties from month A to month B, um, Petty Officer Bloom, in spite of having a difficult job, had gone to the gym almost every day and maintained a high level of physical fitness that was an example for the guard staff. And they gave me an army achievement. They pulled me from the, uh, cra- like just a crazy situation that was happening to, 
that I would way rather have been at, frankly. I mean, this was embarrassing. This, try to keep in mind, I'm telling you this, this was humiliating for me. I'm standing up there getting this award. They're reading this. I'm not out doing my job. And I'm getting this award for going to the gym. Even though our job was deemed stressful, I still managed to work out. And that set the example for the rest of the guard force. And so they gave me an Army Achievement Medal for going to the gym. This could not have been an easier award to get. So it, it also said like, you know, there was like four things. There's like four A, B, C, D bullet points or whatever. But the top one was in spite of having a stressful job and difficult working hours, Petty Officer Bloom still went to the gym. So for this lady who got this Army Achievement Medal and it caused all this drama, all this drama. What's up, AO Nixo in the chat? Uh, it caused all this drama. Um... And, and Midnight Chow says she got it because she's an officer. If I got medals for every time I covered down for somebody, I'd be General Patton. Yeah, you know, that's true too. But, but you know, my whole point here is army, like an Army Achievement Medal is not, it's not like she got an Army Commendation Medal. It's not like she got a Bronze Star. It's kind of like a whatever award um, that, that doesn't, as you know, it's not for valor, right? It's not like it's for valor. People get, it's like in the Navy, there's a Navy Achievement Medal. <clears throat> you can get that for stocking the shelves, making sure that there's potato chips in the ghee dunk. Um, it's a low-level award that gets given out for stuff like that all of the time. It's not fair, and it doesn't even make sense, but it's not so dramatic. People were saying, like, the Army's crazy, the Army's out of control, she didn't deserve that award, she was barely just doing her job, all this stuff. When people get an, an achievement medal, it's kind of whatever. You kind of got to brush that off. It's like, it's like who, who, are, who really cares that much? Um, I don't. And I was super embarrassed to get that Army Achievement Medal. I'm telling you guys. I'm going to work on finding a copy of it and uh, so I can actually read the award. I'll post it up on Instagram if I do. Horrible experience uh, to be pulled away from my job, away from my team, forced to go stand there to get read that because I have a good attitude and go to the gym, I'm getting this award. So just a, a funny true story related to that and a big shout out to Nikki MGTV and a big shout out to AO Nixo too, who we're going to be collabing a lot together in 2021 and I'll get to that in a minute. So anyway... The whole point of today's show is that it's, hey, it's the end of the year. Happy New Year, everybody. It's about to be 2021. And, uh, and, and God knows that we need this year to end. It is, it is the real deal uh, with this year just being horrible for everybody in every possible conceivable way, except for the fact that the Scuttlebutt Show has been thriving. My heart's with everybody who's been affected by COVID-19. If, uh, if you've been struggling because you've lost your job, you've had family members who've been sick, you've been sick. I really feel for you, and I hope that things get better. I could care less about this YouTube channel. I would give this all up if I could help somebody else's uh, life get better who's been affected negatively by COVID-19, whether they've lost their job, the lockdowns, their mental health, their family's been sick, whatever it is. Man, I'm really sorry. It's been a rough year. Uh, if anything, we've been really, really lucky that to be military members of a military family, um, where our impact has been way less because we haven't had to worry about money or work or anything like that. We've been out here, in, I've been out here personally in Okinawa. I've been really lucky. Um, but if I will say one thing about 2020, it's been a great year for the Scuttlebutt Show. I have met some amazing people. We have accomplished some amazing things. And I'm more excited than ever about what 2021 holds. The Scuttlebutt Show has been changing since its inception in 2017. And I feel like we've reached what the show is really going to be which is this YouTube channel, the podcast, the daily news, interviews, all that stuff, doing it live. Um, I think that this is where the show is going to be for a long time. So I put together a special year-end video um, for you guys that I want to show you, that I want to share with you. And you might see yourself in this video. If you're watching right now, you're probably going to see yourself in this video or something that you remember, bring up a good memory. Um, without further ado, I would love to play for you the 2020 uh, year-end video that I've produced. Um, and at the end of this video, I'll talk about our big plans for 2021 and we'll wrap up today's episode. I am very happy and very excited to announce that I have decided and have officially ordered all the gear to replace everything that was stolen in the summer for the Scuttlebutt Show. What's up guys, Max here with another special episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. At, did you know that I do a podcast? No, I didn't know Called the Scuttlebutt Show. Since the world has moved to Zoom and we no longer uh, need to be 
physically connected to have a meaningful relationship. What's up guys, Max here with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show and today I have a very special guest and I am here today with Aaron Vanderbeck, Diego Galde, Jaden Risner with Jackson from Black Box Safety, Matt from Hanging with Maddie D, Adam, Adam the man from Good Times Barbershop, Aiden DeMoli, Alex West, Brandon Mills, Brandon what's up? James Hancock the third, Jared, it's Joe Musselman, Sean Haggerty, Rebecca Aguilera Gardner, and Cole Woodman, Mitch Burrows, TD Cunningham, Ty Smith. I am honored, humbled, and thankful to be joined by three soldiers whose story has been told many times, and you can watch it in the new movie, The Outpost. You can read it in the books, The Outpost, and also Red Platoon. Uh, I'm joined today by three members of the 361 Cav Red Platoon from Cop Keating, Afghanistan, 2009. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Juliet Sanford. I'm joined for the first time ever by my wife, Weiwei. Weiwei, what's up? How are you? Hello. Ashley, what is up, Ashley? Chance, what is up, uh, Jason and Keith? This is a military YouTuber, United States Marine, AO Nixo. She told us we're in the red zone, which means we're in the uh, highest Habu sighting area that he's been in. Make sure I don't lose my balance here, that'd be a disaster. All right. Alwyn Cash, bit of a Karen outburst moment. I thought I would go ahead and share some sea stories, if you will. Take the one wheel around to what are my favorite places to go eat and hang out here in my neighborhood, which is Sunabe, Shatan area, is Coffee Casa. They make the best cappuccino I've ever had in my life. Through the power of video, I'm gonna get this thing set up in a... Tell me, my sweet one, tell me exactly what you're thinking of. An eagle-eyed fan emailed me or, you know, DM'd me on Instagram last night to make a correction on one of my videos from this week, which was to tell me that uh, I made a mistake in my Air Force female wears Louis Vuitton shoes video. They were not Louis Vuitton shoes, they were Louboutin. And breaking news, I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that is so insane. Today we are reviewing Greyhound. Father, soldier, son, the five bloods. The outpost of the Liberator. The Mosul. What's up guys, Max here. And today we're going back to boot camp. Today we are going to be unboxing and reviewing the Rode PodMic. We're gonna be reviewing the Audio-Technica ATH M20X headphones. You can't make everybody happy 100% of the time. That's a fact, right? So what can you do? You can take this, this thing that happened, this situation, how do you pull a positive out of it? So the podcast episodes will be coming back. Uh, this is uh, really exciting for me because I've been getting a lot of feedback and people telling me to start it up again, to go ahead and do it, and that they liked it. And that means a ton to me. That means a lot. And uh, I look forward to starting new episodes soon. And uh, stay, stay tuned for streaming episodes of the Scuttlebutt Show coming soon. I'm out here for now. Later. That's it. Thank you guys for watching that with me. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That is um, the final video for 2020. Uh, and this is the final episode. Next week, we'll be back. It'll be 2021. Um, tomorrow, my wife and I are taking a little vacation. And we have big plans. So like I said earlier in the show, we're going to be doing on location. We're going to be doing Okinawa history. We're going to be doing more interviews on location podcasts. We're going to be having more guests live on the show, including our very first episode back. I believe we're going to have a guest um, we're going to be doing more narrative content, more vlogging. We're going to be doing more collaborative stuff. Uh, hopefully we'll be doing some traveling, some travel videos too around Japan, talking about all about the military. We'll go see where Marines landed in the battle of Okinawa on Torrey beach. We'll go see the peace Memorial, um, Hacksaw Ridge. We'll go do Frisbee golf. We'll go to the driving range. We'll go see what the 
uh, local areas like with the bars and restaurants. People out here in Okinawa have started to get the COVID vaccine. So I'm looking forward to the day soon where things will be back to somewhat relative normal. And uh, the goal for 2021 for the Skeletal Show is 5,000 subscribers. Let's get to 5,000. I mean, let's get to 1,000, but then let's get to 5,000 subscribers and let's keep going from there. Let's make the Scuttlebutt Show the greatest military YouTube channel on the internet. All right? I know we can do that together as a community. I want to thank you guys so much. This year has been so crazy for so many people in so many different ways. But one thing that's kept me sane, and I hope it's been good for you guys too, was coming on here and doing the Scuttlebutt Show videos and doing it live and having the community and having the comment section going has been a blast. It's been one of my favorite things, and I look forward to keeping that going. Like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Um, Only better things to come. I'll tell you that. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody in the chat. Happy New Year to everybody in the Discord. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy end of 2020. Let's go 2021. Let's get it done in 2021. I look forward to talking to you guys really, really soon. I'm so excited. This is going to be so great. I'm out for now.